This week on the Throncast, it's getting a bit crowded on Merkur as Han, Lando, and Grand Admiral Thrawn arrive on the planet. Luke escapes captivity by doing surgery on his cybernetic right hand, and he and Mara crash land and start their long trek through the Merkur forest to avoid getting captured by Imperials. Watch out for those Vornskers! It's time for the Throncast. Governor Price, these rebels have proven particularly stubborn. How do you intend to solve this problem? I need someone who sees a bigger picture. The Empire is getting better at anticipating our moves. I underestimated the commander. The previous attacks were clumsy. But this one was swift. Precise. To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Hello, and welcome to the Throncast. I'm your host, Nancy, and today we're discussing chapters 21 through 24 of Heir to the Empire. Joining me on this legendary journey are my co-hosts, Matthew. Hello. Amanda. Standing by. And Tyler. Hey. Uh, Brian is not with us this week. He is feeling under the weather, so we will wish him well and that the Vornskers do not get him. Unlike our pals, Luke and Mara. <laughs> um. So yeah, we are doing chapters 21 through 24, which are some of my favorite chapters in the book, so I'm very excited. <laughs> but, can't imagine why. I know. <laughs> but first, we have a follow-up <laughs> on Kashyyyk. Matthew. Yeah, well- well, I we were talking last week. We were trying to decide if the uh, if the version of Kashyyyk we saw in Revenge of the Sith matches up with the version of Kashyyyk that's described in this book, and is based on the the holiday special. And just I just so happened to read the Chewbacca miniseries in the in the intervening week, and there are a couple panels of Kashyyyk that look an awful lot like what Tim Zahn uh, described here in this book. So I'd say that that since the comics are now canon. I'd say that that uh, that implies at least that that Zahn's version of Kashyyyk is can be considered canon-ish. Cool. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the Chewbacca comic, but that makes sense that they would show Kashyyyk. Um, it's just like a very brief look, but like the one or two panels that that you do see, it, it's it looks like. I mean, I don't know if the if Noto, the artist, uh, based it off of uh, Zahn's description or if he just based it off of the holiday special. But because I haven't seen the holiday special, so I don't know what it looks like there. But it looks an awful lot like what Zahn described. Yeah, we will be podcasting through the Christmas season and um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll, t- you'll take a do a solid for us and watch the holiday special. I will fall on that sword. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because I'm not ever again. <laughs> Tyler, if you have not seen the holiday special, don't just get a. You know, I've right I, I've heard, I've heard, and I've seen certain pictures of certain. I'm fairly sure cursed images of it, um, <laughs> particularly of a of a Kashyyyk or a Wookiee child, and uh, I don't yes. think I need to see it. So uh, that's a good decision. Good job. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll happily periscope it to all of you, and we can get really drunk. <laughs> and watch it, and it would probably be a lot of fun. It's the only way to watch it. 
So last week, Grand Admiral Thrawn returned to Rebels for his second appearance of the season. Yes, I was very excited because not only was Thrawn back on the show, but it was also a Hera-centric episode, which are very few and far between. Uh, I loved this episode. I thought it was a fantastic portrayal of Thrawn and that he was pitch perfect to what we've seen of him in the expanded universe. So for those of you who watched Rebels, did you have similar opinions? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, the episode was great. They're, they've really been firing on all cylinders this season, just as far as the quality of the episodes are concerned. I think I thought season one and season two were roughly equal in, in quality, but they've really upped their game here. Um, but Thrawn, yeah, no, I mean, I really liked Thrawn. I thought he was he was portrayed true to the character. Um, we did see that moment where he grabs a guy. And while I still think that that was something of an overreaction for Thrawn, at least the context was Thrawn-ish. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, yeah. him, you know, it wasn't Vader throwing a tantrum. It was It was very Thrawn. So, yeah, no, I loved it. I thought the voice actor did a great job. I love the light motif that uh, what's his face wrote for for yes. Thrawn. Kevin it sounds Kine. like this is what I was about yeah. to mention is that I've heard that he got some theme music that like everybody wishes we'd had all along. I mean, it sounds like it really sounds very inspired by Philip Glass to me. Like it really <laughs> reminded me of Koyan Scotsy. Um, I don't know if that was actually an influence on Kleiner or not. It could just be a coincidence. But uh, but yeah, I loved it. It's fantastic. Yeah, and it's the same organ music that's on the trailer. So for the I've I've been hoping that they release that music since the trailer came out at Celebration. They did they did put a track the track online to stream at yes. starwars.com. Yes. So go and listen if you have not. It's it's wonderful. Um and before we get started on uh for the episode i since tyler since you were not with us last week uh wondering if you had any thoughts you wanted to give about last week's chapters before we move on um not not really i think you guys covered pretty much everything um i just i yeah i don't really have much to say about last week okay Cool. Well, then we will. Sorry for that anticlimactic <laughs> wait, you guys. That's okay. That's okay. No because... sabak theories. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay because this week's uh, chapters are very climactic. <laughs> as I said, shit is going down on Merker. <laughs> so we start off chapter one immediately with huge conflict as Card and Mara are disagreeing about how to handle the impending arrival of Han and Lando. Mara- and one of my favorite lines in the whole book is right here because the- Card is trying to yes. convince Mara that everything's going to be okay and she's like, oh, because the great and noble Han Solo could never do something deviant. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I love her level of snark. She has- I really enjoyed her uh, her POV description of, th- of uh of card i uh, he wanted he wanted to know why she hated skywalker all right wanted it with as close to genuine passion as the man ever got i thought that was yes. just great and then and it backs up lando's assessment of him as a cold fish <laughs> yes um i i wrote down a turn of phrase that i absolutely adore 
in which she describes his carefully constructed expression of complete disinterest in the matter. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. It is so perfect, Ricard. Um, so they are disagreeing. Card, you know, says that they should have them land on the planet. Mara's like, you know, let Torv land and then kick him off. They he he doesn't owe them anything. Um, but Card you know, want, wants to welcome them. And then as he's welcomed them, then he's playing host and he has to be a gracious host because he's polite, of course. Um, he's not Walder Frey. He's, I don't know what that reference is. It's Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. He, he actually believes in, in guest right and protection. <laughs> yes, he um, does. But I mean, this, this does go a long way to showing that Card is an honorable guy. You know, he considers Torv's debts the organization's debts. You know, he really does believe in the guest right that, you know, once Han and, and Lando break bread with him, that they're under his protection, no matter how inconvenient it becomes for him later. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very inconvenient for him later. <laughs> about to become very. very... <laughs> <laughs> and this, this goes in line with what, Zahn has said over the years about Card and him creating the character as basically a mirror of Han Solo, but um, if he hadn't joined up with the Rebellion. You know, basically, Card is Han with no emotional attachments, basically. Um, so when we get a little taste of, like, how deep and wonderful Han Solo's heart is in this chapter, too... Yes. Because Card recalls an incident when he rescued a ship full of people being sold into slavery and gave it to them. The mm-hmm. the Zygerian slaver incident. They had a little Amistad moment. He's and, a uh, he's a big old softy, Han Solo. He is a big old softy. <laughs> like he talks a big game, but And Mara is also really she gets really worried that Card is going to turn Luke over to Han and Lando. Um, he assures her that he's going to keep Luke around until he finds out what Thrawn wants with him. Because that's that's pretty much all all Card wants. He wants to find out why Mara hates Luke and why Thrawn wants Luke. As I you know, he wants he just wants to know. That's all he cares about. And and I don't think Mara boner. would mind yes. him going getting turned back over to Han and Lando as long as it was in pieces. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, this chapter is really interesting too because it the the tension is that Mara might disobey Card's orders and and you know blow the whole thing is very real. Oh, it like is. you feel totally. like Card just barely has has control over over her and that she might go against his orders in any moment. And yeah. that's uh, I mean, it, it really ups the tension in these chapters. Yeah, it's 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 the. Um... A really good example of if you are, you know, taking writing classes and they say create conflict in every scene that you write. Um, And this is definitely it, because even though they are allies, there's still an underlying tension between them. So he asks Mara to move Luke to the number four storage shed uh, to decrease the risk of Han and Lando stumbling into him. Um, And this shed in particular, because it's the only one with a lock. So, you know, that. It makes the most logical sense. So um, a large group of honorable smugglers, if like all of their sheds don't have locks on them. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm guessing the stuff they keep there isn't that special. I don't know. But yeah, he card definitely seems the type of person that once you come into an, his organization, he trusts you 
And if you betray him, you are dead. Two behind the ear, yeah. Yeah. So um, he mentions the Etherway, which is one of his ships. And earlier, um, I, he mentions the Starry Ice. And Nancy did not get these names were puns until much later in life because she is not a super quick person when it comes to those things. <laughs> um, Wait, what's the Starry Ice of? Of. like starry eyes like star like eyes. Oh. yeah like dumb. stars in your eyes yeah like, yeah i mean it's, it's stupid like being a, <laughs> a lot of the puns are stupid <laughs> it's not a good pun <laughs> i don't feel bad for not having got that <laughs> but yeah either way i i'm like oh yeah i get it but the the worst one I never got was the wild card because that one is pretty obvious yeah, that was really obvious <laughs> come on nancy get with it so um mara jade comes from the wedge antilles and poe dameron schools of flying when asked if she can fly an x-wing she replies i can fly anything yes <laughs> right so um when i saw force awakens for the first time and poe's response to can you fly tie fighters i can fly anything i kind of squealed a little bit inside because of that line and then of course when Wedge was on Rebels and he said that same line to Sabine, I'm like, oh, every pilot in Star Wars has to say that at some time, and it's it's great. Um, <laughs> so she goes, um, he tell he gives her all these instructions to go get Luke, move his X-wing into the forest, and you know we mentioned there's a lot of tension as to whether or not Mara is going to follow his orders. Um, he really trust her a lot and that's something that struck me in this read is that he knows that he, she wants luke dead more than anything and yet he is trusting her and not any other employee to move luke and i can't help but wonder why why i mean i suppose you could you could say it it points towards a certain like naivete on Cart's part, even like, I mean, like, you know, we said he doesn't have any locks on his storage sheds, you know, he trusts his people implicitly. Um, and I mean, for someone as canny and information, you know, thirsty as he is, I, I mean, I guess you could say he's, he's book smart. He's not street smart. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I, it, it does point to a certain naivete that, that, you know, he just trusts his people and that that's, you know, that they'll uh, they'll behave according to his expectations. Well, and he's you know, been based on the trust that he places in them. He's been pretty clear with her that when once he gets his information, because that's the business he's really in and he he needs this information because it's killing him not to know. Um, but once he gets this information, once he knows why the Empire is after Luke, he hasn't told her she can't kill him. <laughs> so he I think he also trusts that she trusts him enough that when it's all said and done, she's going to get the go ahead. She's going to get the green light to pop a cap in this dude <laughs> if she just minds her P's and Q's until they have the information they need. Yeah. So uh, Mara goes to get Luke and bring him to the shed. And uh, he is standing there looking at the window wearing the same outfit from Jabba's palace to which I say, give me a break. 
come on, he has three costumes and that's the best looking one. Like, <laughs> he could be wearing a different outfit. Why? Really? Because yeah, he went shopping. Well, five years is a long time to have the same outfit. And I have outfits that I've kept for that long, but those are like fancy dresses and stuff. No, it's, yeah, it's but the, I mean, the it's same totally jacket, new of... jacket syndrome. He just keeps <laughs> buying the same thing. It is or, a new outfit. It's just or, I the mean, same. This is like, you know, this is sci-fi space future stuff. It's probably <laughs> made out of, you know, elysium or some, you know, fancy material that doesn't uh, wear out like regular cloth. Or it's just the first book written after Return of the Jedi and they are being very heavy handed with the book references and Jedi robes weren't invented yet so that's what oh Luke God. wore all the time. I mean sure if you want to look at it like it with logic <laughs> I know why would I do that? That's silly I mean really it's just an excuse to mention that you know Mara was Mara at Jabba's, Jabba's yeah. yeah this is I think the first mention that we get that she was there yeah, it is. Um, sowing the seeds of mystery. Um, well, and in a hot minute, Lando's like, where do I know her from? Yeah. So she uh, so she leaves him there, says, asks him if, you know, says uh, they'll bring him food later or whatever. She's very, like, thoughtful about it. Like, oh, yeah, we'll bring you some stuff later. And he goes, I'm all right for now. And her response is, ask me if I care. I love that. Uh, the Mara snark is A plus in these four chapters. Really, really it is. It's at its sort of top tier. It was very, very formative to me as a teenager. <laughs> so um, she leaves him in the shed and we switch to Luke's point of view. And he immediately, of course, tries to start figuring out how to get out of there. Um, he realizes that R2 is on the other side of the shed. He can hear him beeping. So um, they are trying to conspire on how to get out. And he thinks that he can get out, but he needs a- another power supply to open the door because Card and Mara shut the power to the shed because they're not stupid. Um, and he just so happens to have a spare one inside his right hand. Um, so with the help, yeah, it's, yeah, he's doing surgery on his hand. That's, that's <laughs> pretty much it. So with the help of R2, uh, he is, goes through and does the surgery and tries to get himself out of the room. Um, and as a very important note, he, as he's doing this, he takes off his tunic. I'm, I, I just wanted to note that for the record. That's what the book says. <laughs> and, and it does not, in fact, cover the act of putting it back on. No, it doesn't. Um, so if you buy the comic pack of the action figures, it's actually um, Luke has his like light suit rolled down and it's just got a little tank top underneath. But that's not the outfit he was wearing in the book. He was wearing his black outfit. So... Did he take that tabard thingy off or the whole thing? This, these are important questions that I would like to have answered. I think he's probably <laughs> running around in like a wife beater sort of thing. I'm um, sorry. I think he probably did take that whole tabard thing off. I'm being very objectifying right now. I apologize. I mean, I don't think he's going to take off 
trying to make for space completely shirtless. <laughs> so he had to have some sort of undershirt on because space is cold, Nancy. It is. Space we, is cold. We learned that in the Phantom Menace. Um, you so guys, I'm sure he's got on some sort of undershirt of some kind. Yeah. Maybe it's even like long underwear and maybe he's completely covered, <laughs> but maybe not. Matthew, feel free to um, ogle Mara later on to make up for this. Just I mean, you talk about heart. formative experiences. Mara certainly <laughs> was one for me. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, re- I do really like the scene. Like the, the, yeah. the MacGyver-ness of it is, yeah. uh, is well, enjoyable. And one of the things I like most about the way Zahn writes Luke is that he remembers that he's smart. Like, yeah, he's a Jedi and he's a really good pilot, but he's also really smart and crafty. Um and if he's, you know, he can he can think of a way out of situations if he has to. So that ends the chapter. We move on to chapter 22, where Han and Lando are meeting with Card. Uh, Han gives his proposal to work with the smugglers, but Card is not interested. Um, he does, however, invite Han and Lando to dinner, saying they have a slicer that Han can talk to while they're dining. Um, and... While they're eating, Han or while they're meeting, Han refers to Mara's incredible green eyes, and she's glowering at him. And I'm like, "Aw, she's gonna be your sister-in-law. Be nice." No. (laughs) (laughs) Which Han realized before anybody else. He does basically, yeah. (laughs) Um, I really like the Han and Mara relationship as it progresses through the expanded universe. Um, so it's it it was it was nice to see that i don't want to say sweet because it wasn't sweet but you know (laughs) but it is they sort of size each other up immediately and they're like oh you're trouble and way more than meets the eye oh hey you are too Hmm, let's have drinks (laughs) yes (laughs) so uh during dinner card gets called away and takes mara with him this is when lando remarks that he thinks he's seen mara before but can't remember where but he doesn't think she was a smuggler at the time. So again, mystery. Where what, Where did he see her? What was she doing? We don't know. Um, and this is our first introduction of Ghent, who is the slicer with blue hair. And I love Ghent so much. He's Ghent so is, precious. is ridiculous. I mean, in a good way. I like him. <laughs> yeah, he he's one of my favorite minor characters from the from legends he's he's and he turns up like time and again like he was he's so good that he got played with he got he gets taken out of the toy box yeah i mean because he's useful he's a slicer you know you have to yeah i mean he he is largely present here to serve a plot function but zon doesn't let that stop him from like making him like silly and ridiculous and and totally (laughs) fun to to have around he um actually shows up in one of my favorite uh fanfics ever this really long sprawling epic um and again he has like the same sort of purpose where he's just in to fill up uh, fill a plot point but he's (laughs) he's so cute and everyone is like yay Gent is here (laughs) (laughs) and that's when you always know you have a good character when People reading fanfic are are super excited that they show up. <laughs> so, um, this uh, bullet point was written all with exclamation points. So I'm going to read it as such. 
Oh no! The Chimera has arrived on Marker again! Thrawn <gasps> suspects Card has Luke, even though Card staunchly denies it! He's mm. here to have a talk! In quotation marks with Card. And Card is super calm about it all, but Mara disagrees with him about not turning his guests over to Thrawn! <gasps> I really like Mara's line here, where Card, you know, sort of lightly verbally probes if she's the one who called the umpire and she's like uh she's like no but i should have thought of it days ago yes <laughs> yes that was a good i'm looking forward to the uh the high school au fic <laughs> where a thron where thron's like the grumpy principal <laughs> i'm pretty sure you could probably find something like that oh no i'm gonna look real quick okay. i was gonna get see, i was gonna say rule, see, rule 34 says it's been written already see that's the good rule thing to, is an entirely different rule yeah that. see the the good thing about reading these books 25 years after the facts is that pretty much all of the fic has already been written um so yeah um i really like this scene because again it's full of tension and there's a, some really oh, oh. Yeah. sorry sorry, sorry. But I, I found it i found oh. it yeah okay. <laughs> can you read the okay, description so, for us yes i okay okay so it's a <clears throat> it is called i'll give you the stars <laughs> of course it is it is, it is a, a poe finn uh story and um oh god the description is so bad <laughs> oh god um <laughs> I'm try- like there okay so it's a multi-part story but it's like I'm trying to find like the best best <laughs> one okay oh my god <laughs> okay 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 so um this apparently Thrawn is the principal in this sec oh my uh, god okay, okay so um the 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 part of this the chapter of this story is the world is in your eyes <laughs> And here's the description. Um, feel free to uh, analyze it with as much innuendo or as not as you want. Having come out on top, <laughs> resistance high. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, having come out on top, resistance high now plans for a celebratory dance to celebrate. Celebratory dance to celebrate. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the right. senior teams, <laughs> the senior teams' victory over Our Lady of the First Order. Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God I love it. Oh, I'm gonna link you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, oh. God. I'm so sorry no, for this beautiful. I'm sorry for this diversion, but it's beautiful. No, that's, that's <laughs> we're okay. And, and you that. thing is, there's a lot of bad fic out in the world and oh, some of it I know I've written some of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it can't all be Knights of Pluma oh yay who's the name drop yes yes it was you're welcome <laughs> um, this is a really good scene though because like Card and Thrawn like verbally fencing mm-hmm. is like I mean amazing and wonderful yeah. I yeah. mean it I mean not to keep dropping Game of Thrones references but it's like Cersei and Marjorie like going at each other it's fantastic <laughs> yeah i would i would not say it is it it is incorrect to say that uh card and thrawn are probably the most intelligent characters zon ever created 
So when he get and also the most crafty. So when yeah. he gets to write the two of them going against each other, the results are wonderful. And they're very yeah. similar. The, yes. The subtext is just really deep. Like they're having a conversation and that is not at all the conversation they're having. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The words that come out of their mouth have very little to do with the conversation they're actually having. Right. And there is a there is a section of this of this chapter that I mean, I, I knew that um, I mean, I re- I remembered it from previous readings, but it wasn't. Until I like this time, I'm like, oh my god, this is like such good foreshadowing for um the next book that you know it. I was like, I was really struck by it, and I'm I'm trying to find exactly uh where it is. Yeah, I had I had never really noticed that before to tell you the truth like it's real obvious now, and yeah, I mean I've it's... read these a number of times, but like for whatever reason I never like really put two and two together um, in my brain. Where is it? Uh, Yeah. Thrawn says uh, I'm in the market for new warships. Long practice kept any guilty reaction from leaking out through cards, face or voice, but it was a near thing. Warships. Yes. Carefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Mara asks him like, what was that reaction all about? (laughs) And he's like, I'll tell you later. Yeah. So and he will. <laughs> Tyler, that is that is foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, I see. Really, really <laughs> big foreshadowing. Um, and yeah, these are definitely the kind of books that when you read them through again, that um, you will pick up pick up all these other little things that you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, it's going to be really interesting for me reading the next two books because I haven't read them as much as Heir to the Empire, and I'm wondering how much I actually remember about them. Yeah, see, I've forgotten a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So it's interesting when I remember things like that, oh, the great noble Han Solo line. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I really dug that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Of course I did. Yeah. So um, also, in all caps, Luke escapes the shed. <gasps> He rescues R2-D2, and they fly away in one of Card's skip rays. Mara catches him and pursues him into the forest. Uh-oh. Which, which, this is when we learn that unlike Mara Jade, Wedge Antilles, and Poe Dameron, Luke Skywalker cannot fly anything. <laughs> like, he can he fly can. anything. He can fly anything given enough time to get used to it. Yeah. But, uh, and also, like, Mara's, Mara's right on his tail. The sensors on Merker are kind of goofy. Uh, and also, she like comes right down on top of him, which, <laughs> um, yeah, you hate that. <laughs> so yeah, um, the 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 sensor is not working because of the metal content and the leaves or whatever. It's a very Star Trek thing, by the way, because they is. often had to like invent reasons why like the transporter couldn't work or whatever. Yeah, and this this feels like it's, something oh, it's right definitely the transporter one of those. on the Enterprise is shady as though like. <laughs> It broke all the time. And then there was that one time it trapped Commander Riker, except it didn't trap all of him. So then there were two of him like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just watched the the original series episode where it, it made two Kirks and two dog creatures. That's great. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, you know, that picture of Spock holding the, the dog. That's that's what that's from. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so yeah, and this this uh, section gives us one of my favorite lines, uh, which is, 
And as she stalked her way, glowering across the compound towards the number three shed, Mara decided once more that she hated the universe. Aw, my little redheaded misanthrope. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Mara that I love. It is. Yeah, same. It's so good. It's so good. Later on, she's a little bit kinder, gentler, and I didn't like her as much. I forgot how much I had loved her in this book. Yes. To be fair... She's always snarky when Zon writes her. Even yes. even later on, um, even like I think the latest he wrote her was Survivor's Quest, um, and even that book, she's pretty snark snarky. Um, so yeah, he, basically the moral is he should be the only person to write her, um, <laughs> and like you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would accept <laughs> if I if they wanted me to. Um, and the writers of the movie that yes. she must star in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's um, there's a whole ton of uh, stuff going on that Card has to get the Falcon moved and camoed. He has to move. They have to move Luke. They have to get keep Han and Lando out of the way. And it's a logistical nightmare. It really is. And, like... <laughs> I am very much in awe of Card because if I was him, I'd be having an anxiety attack right about now <laughs> and flipping the hell out. But no, he is better than me because he is smooth as silk. Well, and Probably how, talk for a minute way. about how like it just didn't even occur to Han to lock his ship. <laughs> like they're just able to move it. They're yeah. just able to get aboard and fly. This is the Millennium Falcon. Like, no wonder it gets stolen in New Canon. <laughs> it doesn't even lock the door. Oh. Everyone's trusting on Merker, I guess. Who knows? That's also yeah. due to the metal content in the yeah. leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, we move on to chapter 23, where Luke and Mara are dog, not really dog fighting, but she is pursuing him through the forest. Basically, um, Luke crashes, and she yes. crashes into him. <laughs> yeah, they're playing space tag, and they both lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of, um, and this is going to be a really deep cut. If uh, you had ever gone on the Back to the Future ride at Universal, where you have to bump the Biff's DeLorean to get him to go through <laughs> time travel, <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. Mara's <laughs> trying to bump his ship. <laughs> Uh, so they crash um, then we have uh, Thrawn and here and he um, offers to help Card rescue the associate who crashed in the forest and uh, of course he saw really, the whole thing yeah he doesn't really offer so much as just like send the stormtroopers out there right but he in his nice polite mannerism is <laughs> made him know, an offer he can't refuse yeah, yeah. It's like well we'll help you out since you helped us with the Ysalamiri and cards like shit damn it <laughs> I like to see like a visual representation of this book where you have card being all like very smooth and confident and then like the internal card where it's like shit damn crap <laughs> <laughs> it's very much the moment in A New Hope when Han Solo goes like charging down the hallway full of confidence blaster drawn and then comes running back the other way freaking yes. out with 20 stormtroopers on his tail it's that 
It is. So uh, Card is very concerned about uh, the associates, of course, um, and especially because he has to come up with a cover story as to what happened. And he says that a disgruntled employee stole some merchandise and an employee named Jade went off to, you know, pursue them. Um, Han and Lando are watching this whole exchange, um, even though they weren't supposed to, because Gench is a very bad watchdog. I love how spineless Gench is. He's like, he come on, guys! <laughs> I'm not supposed to tell you! Come on! I'm gonna get in trouble! They're oh, like, okay, um, he's a good this. admiral. What if you did tell us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not very good at this sort of thing. No, he spills everything, which is great. Mm-hmm. Which is great. For, it's a good for way Han to know that Lando. your slicer is not keeping things from you if he just <laughs> has complete diarrhea of the mouth and yeah. just will tell you everything. So Han learns um, that uh, this this blue guy is a Grand Admiral. Um, he also sees one of the Nogri, um, which gives him that connection between the Grand Admiral and the aliens who are trying to kidnap Leia. Um, so he has that clear sort of connection there. Um, and this makes him very angry because um, he he doesn't want to, you know, if, if Card is interacting with slavers and kidnappers, um, he's, you know, they're going to have to have a chat about this, <laughs> which they I do. Also, I also love the oh shit moment that Lando and Han share when they they hear that Thrawn is a Grand Admiral. Yes. Like th- that's clearly significant to them. And like the Grand Admirals were were obviously like really bad news. Yeah. And just really? knowing that just knowing that he's a Grand Admiral, like he's well, he's like, what does he say? Han he's, like, says well, he's like, oh well, that's why they're doing so well. It's like, oh crap. No one, no wonder the New Republic had been getting the sky cut out from under them lately. Yeah. It's yeah. like the uh the Grand Admiral Thrawn Carapast moment. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we 100% less fake cursing. Yes. So we, well, I don't, Zahn is very good at inventing fake curses. And uh, I think, I think some of them show up in these books. So Uh, staying is one of my favorites, as is Criff. I like staying. Criff. So Luke goes to check on Mara. Because this is what he does. Um, he is because he's an he's idiot. He's still a precious farm no, boy. No, he is not an idiot. He is he's a kind of an idiot. He is a precious, a precious pure farm boy. cinnamon the precious, roll precious idiot. <laughs> he's a pure cinnamon roll who cannot leave an injured person there to die, um, or even be like slightly uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> so he goes to check on her. And as he looks around the seat, she's pointing a blaster at him <laughs> because that's what she does. Um, she's not an idiot. No. Nor a cinnamon roll. <laughs> so she is basically like, all right, let's go. Let's move. Um, r- hurries him out. Um, and then. Also, she's got his number because she's like, I knew you'd come check on me. <laughs> I know. It's almost like she knows him. almost almost so uh she is like 
getting in the movie and then she's like quiet and then she hears the noise overhead and she's like move 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 it's very much like finn in the force awakens when he hears the tie fighters and he's like oh crap we gotta go because he recognizes the sound of course so they rush into the forest uh they get a they get a little bit away and then she basically is like shut the hell up we need to be quiet um she like bodily pushes him to the ground yes it's great <laughs> get on the ground jedi it's, so it's cute. they have a they have a big discussion over um what basically she should do with him uh she threatens to kill him right there and nearly goes along with it goes goes through with it until he's kind of like well, you might need R2 to help you get through the forest, and he won't help you if I'm not here. And it's really reaching. It's very much the whole, like, you know, Gent going, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lucas is, like, running through reasons that he she, is. like, should kill him. And it's, like, it's kind of, like, yeah, how about it's this? reaching. <laughs> it goes back to, I don't know why you dislike me so yeah. much. How like, about this? He doesn't understand why anyone would kill anyone in cold blood. Like, what? what is why? He doesn't. <laughs> we should all, I'm so sweet. We should all be like him. We really should. Um... So basically they end up agreeing that they're going to walk through the forest to Hilliard City. Uh, it takes them three days um, and then they will, you know, decide what to do then. Um, of note in the section, she calls him Buddy Boy. <laughs> Adorable. Um she also knows about the stormtrooper procedure, which, of course, piques your interest and go, well, how does she know that? Um, and also, how does she know how to use a lightsaber? Very curious. I want to know why Luke doesn't know standard stormtrooper procedure. I mean, he was a big muckety muck in the rebellion. You'd think that <laughs> he was he'd a like him. He was up a, these things. He was a big deal in the rebellion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, big deal. Um I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe he was more involved in like piloting than yeah. ground assault things. I don't know. Jedi ing. <laughs> yeah. Jedi ing. Um <laughs> go zoom zoom in his rocket ship. <laughs> so uh chapter twenty-four, um, we have a really good section with Han and Card and Lando um, which I really really enjoy seeing the three of them interact and I would like an entire book of them just getting into shenanigans I love when they I love how they figure out that Luke was in the shed yeah like and like I love their detective work I love like Lando's like like casual mention of like oh yeah it's the kind of power cell that you might find in oh i don't know an artificial hand like it's it's very batman 1.0 the way he just sort of figures it out yeah <laughs> yeah oh but i i must mention in this chapter that card talks about um all of the smugglers being grateful to luke mm -hmm. for getting them out of permanent hawk with job of the hut yes and I'm like, that is not who did that. It's not. <laughs> I'm like, who exactly did the hot slaying? Because it was not Luke. <laughs> I guess they didn't have a recording of it in this canon. Yeah, I was super annoyed at that. I'm like, it was. I mean, he was there. He was a witness to it, sort of. But Luke did not do that. 
technically he wasn't in the room. No. He <laughs> Correct. Was. I mean, I mean, granted, like he blew up the sail barge. Shabba would have died anyway. But <laughs> but he was in fact already dead. Same thing <laughs> yeah. with same thing with the Death Star. I mean, okay, sure, he was sort of directly responsible for the Emperor's death, but he would have died anyway once they blew up the Death Star. So yeah. Luke is just kind of you know. <laughs> First He's around when yeah. bad guys meet their end, yes. and then he gets credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So um, Han confronts Card about the Imperials arriving. Uh, Card basically looks at Get and is like, "You couldn't keep your mouth shut, could you?" <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, really, he got what he deserved because you, Car- Gent is not a good secret keeper. Um, I like. Yeah, I love. I love the line where they ask him something, and and he's like, "I would have thought that Gent would have told you." Yeah. <laughs> like seriously bitter. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, there's some piece of information he hasn't shared. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know my shoe size yet? Like. <laughs> so, um, uh, Han says to Card, "You're a real hero," which I hear, "You're a real hero." <laughs> <laughs> yeah again with the repeating the original trilogy lines uh, um and yeah so we basically they find out exactly what's going on that luke was there um and then that luke was um you know that luke and mara crashed so now they're kind of all conspiring together to get them to safety before the empire finds them but thrawn of course know something's up because he's Thrawn and as we know you only think you're winning when Thrawn is around uh, so he orders Peleon to have stormtroopers waiting at Hilliard City for Card's associates to come out of the forest um, he Peleon mentions point blank that do you think he has Skywalker and Thrawn is like that's an interesting suggestion I don't think that's true, but just in case, let's investigate. <laughs> right. He's not sure on this, but he knew who switched between the Falcon and yeah. the Lady Luck just by the time that they were docked together. Give me a break. Yeah. He knows. He knows. Of he knows. He of knows he everything. Thrawn so, knows all. Yeah. So, um... There's some more foreshadowing in their conversation about the Sluis Van attack. Uh, Thrawn is adamant that it has to move forward as planned. They can't push it back, um, which, of course, leads to more, you know, tension as you're wondering, well, what the heck is actually going to go on at the Sluis Van shipyards? Also, this continues to be a convenient uh, way to get Thrawn out of the action so yes. that, you know, the rebels have a chance of, you know, actually winning. <laughs> yes, it is. It, this is a really good book to read if you're wanting to be a writer and study the structure of books um, yeah. and how to manipulate the plot without being completely ham-fisted. Because um, it does make sense that he would want to leave to oversee the operation that they've been planning for, like, a year. Um, and, you know, hopefully some other guys can capture a Jedi that can't use the Force. But uh, we'll see if that happens or not. So, then we get to Luke and Mara in the forest. It's 
spending their, the night together. Spending their first. It's not nearly as sexy as your voice is making it sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what fanfics you've read, Matthew, but <laughs> all I know is that Mara took drugs and was up all night, so <laughs> she Walker was in for it. She did. She took stim pills, which are bad for you kids. I think this was like after Tim Zahn had watched the "I'm so excited" Saved by the Bell episodes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Do you know I worked for the choreographer that choreographed really? that episode? That was like one of the <laughs> pinnacles of my career as an actor. Nice. He choreographed me in a lottery commercial. That's how I got my SAG card. Nice. <laughs> so Luke and Mara in the forest, um, they have a very tension-filled conversation um, about what they're going to do next. Mara is worried about card. Um, you know, they're... They, they discuss um, what they should do when they um, get out of the forest. I guess, um, you know, should they, you know, switch roles or whatever. Um, and then um, basically she's spending the entire time thinking, like, why is Luke so calm? What the well, hell is wrong with this whole- guy? <laughs> My favorite of this whole exchange is that Luke, this is when he's still trying to sort of convince her not to kill him. And he's like, oh, R2's picking up something. And, and he's like, he's really trying to figure out what's going on and what is stalking them. And Mara just shoots the Vornsker that is stalking them. One right seen. between the eyes. <laughs> yeah. Cold, calm, and collected. Just like, boom. That's what it was, Skywalker. Yeah. Like, it was going to kill you. And I also, didn't need your droid to tell me it was there. <laughs> also, they don't bring up the role switching thing yet. Oh, damn it. (laughs) Stop spoiling things. This is what happens when I read forward to try to get my (laughs) next week on the Throncast episodes. Uh, I'm just trying to be a good host, okay? (laughs) There will be more of this, Nancy. They're going to be in the forest for days. Two of them. Two of them. Um, I, I like that Luke is like, um, <laughs> you know, oh, this is nice. It reminds me of Endor. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's He's a, been on one planet with trees. That's a, that's a <laughs> lovely sentiment to think of like, oh yeah, this planet where I, you know, surrendered to my dad and, you know, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. That's the thing. He was on Endor for 45 minutes and then <laughs> went to a party where he was almost the main course. <laughs> And then he was on Endor after the party for like 10 minutes, long enough to say, hey, by the way, Leia, we can't make out again. You're my sister and I'm going to go kill our dad. He comes back and goes to another party like Endor is probably not a bad memory for him. No. <laughs> also, I mean, you he know, hugs he probably, Wedge there, though. So he's probably <laughs> spent a lot of the last five years on Coruscant. So like, you know. Yeah. This this might be his only, you know, memory of a forest. Yeah. <laughs> a planet with trees. Yeah. So um the um the what the uh the line I the the section I really like in here is like uh she says maybe he was just faking it hoping she would lower her guard. It was probably something she would try under reverse circumstances. But then maybe there was more to him than met the eye. More than just a family name, a political position, and a bag of Jedi tricks. There's a really good heart underneath all of those Jedi tricks, Mara Jade. And you will get to know it. 
mean, she's he still is legitimately she, that precious. She's still going to kill him. You know, yes. she's like, all right, maybe, maybe yes. he's not an, an empty shirt, but I'm still totally going to I mean, shoot but she's, she's, she really thinks he's trying to play her and he's not. He's just really that sweet. Yeah. We all yeah. see, we've all seen the fan art of the, you know, the Thrawn trilogy summarize, which is Luke, uh, following Mara around going, hey, hey, Mara, I made you a friendship bracelet. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Mara, look, I made you, I made you this. And some hot chocolate. You want some hot chocolate too? Let's be friends. That actually does happen, doesn't it? (laughs) They have hot chocolate at some juncture. Uh, Yes, in uh, Survivor's Quest, I believe. No, 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 no. Uh, Nope. End of uh, Vision of the Future. Uh, so yeah, um, we switch over to Card's point of view. He and Abe's, one of the other smugglers, are discussing Mara's message and how to decrypt it. Um, they, um... Hey, uh, the foreshadowing of R2 and the X-Wing having a counterpart relationship. Yes, that, yep, yep, very good. So they need to, um, they need to go... They, they, you know, they're, they're just can't figure it out, but, um, they decide, uh, they need to pull Luke's X-Wing logs to appease Han and Lando the next day, you know, um, so leading us to know that they're going to find the message and hopefully send one back. So moving us to move, move forward. Um, and then we have some nice introspection from Card as he is um, very worried about what is going to happen next. And the chapter ends with, he paused at the door to take one last look at the forest, a shiver of melancholy and something that felt disturbingly like fear running through him. No, the Grand Admiral wasn't going to be happy about this, wasn't going to be happy at all. And one way or the other, Card knew that his life here was at an end. It's a very good line. That was a good line. Yeah. And sad. Yeah. Poor card. He's really between a rock and a hard place in these chapters. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, oh, we found Luke Skywalker. Um, Let's let's pick him up and find out what people want from him. And now he's just basically like, why didn't we just leave him there? Um, so yeah, those are the four chapters in which a lot of stuff happens and setting up for lots more in the next four chapters. Um, I, I, I love these and I love the next ones even more. So, oh my God, the next chapter, like you don't, I mean, Nancy, you probably do understand the next chapter. I understand the next chapter. I am dying to talk about the next chapter. I understand the next chapter because I read through them to get my next week. (laughs) Um, And yes, we finally get um, payoff for pregnant Leia hanging out in a Kashyyyk. Oh my god, it's so amazing. It's so good. I will I will be bringing my lightsaber with me to the podcast next week. And, um, <laughs> I'm so excited. You are excited about that, and I'm excited about another thing. Basically, we're excited about boss ladies. Um, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go around the horn with uh, these four chapters. Matthew. 
Um, yeah, no, no real specific thoughts. Just, you know, it's good stuff. It's moving the plot along. Um, the, uh, like I said, I really like the, the Han and Lando detective agency scene. Um, (laughs) yeah, I was, um, I was really struck by how much I really liked that whole, that whole, uh, scene here. And I mean, I guess it's not, it's, it's not surprising considering I, how much I like card. But it's like, oh, they just work so well together. Well, and it's believable te- yeah. detective work, too, unlike Thrawn and his, you know, magic artistic insight. Um, but I mean, yeah, and no, it's good stuff. We uh, were um, getting payoff for stuff that was was um, mentioned earlier. We're getting foreshadowing for stuff that's yet to come. You know, the, the disparate character threads are starting to slowly, you know, inch back together. Um and yeah, no, it's good stuff. Very exciting. Very well-written structurally. It's it's all good. And Amanda? What I love about these chapters is that we've sort of reached peak character. Mara is 100% at peak homicidal snark. <laughs> Luke has absolutely reached peak farm boy. And Han and Lando and Card are totally at the top of their smooth guy, smooth criminal game. And I really, I really like what the characters are in these chapters. I love the dialogue. Um, there's just so many good zingers, so many good one-liners, um, and those, uh, those, those pun ship names, notwithstanding. Um, I just really like. I like the sound of the words of these chapters as I read them. Like it, it just, the characters were really there and I'm, I'm really invested and I'm way back in love with Mara Jade again, which Yay! is fun. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned farm boy. Uh, and I have to note here for people who aren't familiar with Mara Jade and, or fandom, um, the Luke and Mara fandom, uh, used farm boy as her like pet name for him um and um it you know it basically became came a, a fanon thing where it wasn't really canon but everyone used it in fanfics um and then the fi- the the story that used that for the first time was Karen Travis's sacrifice yeah yeah thanks. i noticed that thanks for that thanks Karen. <laughs> There's some bitterness here. Never. Tyler, you have any thoughts about these four chapters? Um, I really like them. Um, <laughs> Yay! I- <laughs> I'm glad that you're enjoying these books and not disliking them. <laughs> no, like, I, um, I, I definitely like them so far. Um, Is Mara Jade what, you've ex- what you expected, and Thrawn especially? Hmm. Thrawn's what I expected, but um, not not Mara Jade. I, I think because I knew like a bit of her, um, a bit of her in the future. Yeah. Like um, I didn't really see that uh, that version of her. Right. As, yeah, you're like, as wait, she marries woman. Luke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you how do you get from A to Z here? <laughs> well, I, think, I think that's a good um I think that's good uh you know to because of it's evidence of her character arc that she goes through um, yeah. through all of these books, you know. Thrawn is kind of, you know, he's he, he this this is this is peak Thrawn right here in this trilogy. Um 
So you're pretty much getting this in Rebels where, you know, people have so many different ideas of Mara because they've read her at different parts of the EU. So it's really it'll be really interesting to see what you think of her by the time the series ends. Um, yeah. So awesome. Thank yeah, you. I definitely really like her. Yay. So awesome, guys. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, we only have a few more episodes left for Heir to the Empire. We're getting through this I know, pretty quickly. I surprised at how close to the end of the book we were. Yeah, we've got, uh, I think, two more regular episodes and then our, our roundup. So uh, thanks again for joining us all. The Throncast is a Tashi Station podcast, and this episode has been brought to you in part by Her Universe and by you, our Patreon subscribers. You can follow us all on Twitter with the handles Tashi underscore station, Nancy Pants, that's Nancy with an I, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E, uh, M.R. Bowers, Manda the Ginger, and Cyberpunk Warlock, that's Warlock with a K. You can find all of our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Tune in next week for our discussion of chapters 25 through 28, when Leia makes a breakthrough with the Nogri and we finally learn the truth about Mara Jade. Bye! Bye. folks, Jay here for the third Thrawn tidbit. Today I'm going to talk about Thrawn's role in the 1994 LucasArts game TIE Fighter, which is one of Thrawn's earliest roles after the Thrawn trilogy and certainly his first major cross-media role. Now if you've never played the game TIE Fighter and don't want to be spoiled, maybe set this one out because there will be spoilers, but if you're not worried about spoilers for a 22-year-old game, then let's get started. The player, Imperial pilot Marek Steele, first meets Thrawn in the third campaign, or battle of the game. He's a Vice Admiral in command of the Victory Star Destroyer Protector, and he's tasked with eliminating the Scourge of Piracy from the Outer Rim. You help him establish an Imperial platform, space platform in the Pakuni system, and get rid of the local pirates who've allied with the Rebellion. We next encounter Thrawn in Battle 7, which is the final campaign of the original version of the game. He shows up in the very last mission, where the Emperor himself has been kidnapped by the traitorous forces of Admiral Zarin, who's later established as a Grand Admiral in the Expanded Universe. Thrawn shows up in the Imperial Star Destroyer Vanguard to help Steel and Lord Vader protect rescue craft from Thrawn's counterattacks against the Emperor. We see Thrawn again in the final mission of Battle 9, which involves the traitor Zarin going in a full-scale war against the Empire's factories of advanced TIE fighters. See, Zarin is the Empire's former head of advanced starfighter development, and he thinks he can overthrow the Emperor by maintaining technological advantage over Imperial forces. So in this last mission of Battle 8, Zarn sets a trap for Thrawn's Victory Star Destroyer Skeletor, and still helps knock out the interdictor cruise that has ensnared Thrawn. The end of this battle, Thrawn is promoted to full admiral. We don't really see him in the next battle, Battle 9, except for the cutscene that ends the campaign, where the player delivers a handful of shiny new TIE defenders to Thrawn, who sends them to Coruscant for safekeeping.
Now, there's an in interesting historical footnote here, which is Thrawn pronounces the planet's name as Coruscant, uh, because this is this game is released well before the Phantom Menace established the official pronunciation of the planet as Coruscant. Thrawn appears all over Battle 8 in command of a brand new Star Destroyer, the Imperial Star Destroyer Grey Wolf. There are a lot of missions involved around rescuing Imperial scientists and TIE Defender prototypes from pirates who have captured them. Most interesting is that there's a pirate neat leader named Ali Tarek who's caused the Empire a lot of grief, and Thrawn matches wits with her throughout the campaign, before finally ordering you to try to capture her at the end of the campaign. He finds her interesting and thinks she would make a good servant for the Emperor. At the end of Battle 10, Thrawn is finally promoted to Grand Admiral, and the cutscene for this campaign actually shows his promotion ceremony. Now the funny part is that Thrawn wears the white uniform with epaulets and a Grand Admiral's rank insignia throughout the entire game, even during those cutscenes where he's a Vice Admiral. And also of note, to me at least, there's a lot more gold piping on the sleeves of his uniform and gold buttons on the jacket of the Grand Admiral uniform, which is a level of dressy pomp not seen anywhere else in the expanded universe. Thrawn features heavily in Battles 11 and 13, where Thrawn and Zarn engage in traps and counter-traps. They're among the most exciting and difficult missions of the game. During Battle 10, the previous battle, Thrawn developed a countermeasure for Zarn's massive TIE Defender forces, which is the missile boat, and that ship is essentially a cheat craft because it comes with loads and loads of missiles plus a tractor beam to hold ships in place. It's a little unfair, and much of the missions in Battle 11 and 13 involve trying to trick Zarn into personally committing himself to try to capture a missile boat. There's also a plotline around a ship with a cloaking device. Zarn tries to capture the test bed for the cloaking device, which is the impossibly named Corvette Vorkniksnix, during both campaigns. We see Thrawn set a series of traps for Zarn, even personally risking his life in commanding a frigate in the middle of a series of missions where Zarn, or, sorry, Zarin is heavily attacking overmatched Imperial forces. Zarin ends up finally succeeding in capturing the Corvette Vorkniksnix, and Thrawn has a homing beacon inside the corvette and uses it to finally uncover Zarn's position and trap him with an interdictor cruiser. Zarn flees in hyperspace with his cloaked ship because what else would you do if you have a ship with a cloaking device? But that's Thrawn's entire point. Thrawn has anticipated that Zarn might try to escape and he deliberately suppresses information that the cloaking prototype is unstable when engaged during a hyperspace jump and Zarn ends up blowing himself to smithereens while trying to escape from Thrawn. So, Thrawn defeats Zarin, and the Empire is safe. The game ends with your briefing officer noting that all that's left is to hear back from the Emperors about the Emperor's trap at Endor, and the Empire will triumph at last, and peace will be restored to the galaxy. Yeah. So, uh, like I always say, the Empire is victorious on all fronts. And the Battle of Endor is a lie.